person who's come to worship this morning, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I do pray that you draw us nearer to you as we worship. And Lord, we do thank you for every mom that is here today as we celebrate Mother's Day. We thank you for the love and the care, the way they took care of us as they raised us. And Lord, we do thank you so much for that gift of life that you've given to every one of us. Please guide and direct in the entire service. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Jesus, the name of us. 
Some of them take some math, so you might want to get out your calculators. 
the mother with the most family present in God's house this morning. So get your calculator out, start adding up all those boys and girls, grandkids, great-grandkids, on and on as many. So as we know, the mom with the most family present. Mother with the youngest baby present today. We want to know uh, so that we can give you a gift as well. Uh, the most senior mom. You might need your calculator for that. However, you might ask your grandkid to run it for you. Uh, so most senior mom. And then the mom with the most receipts in her purse. Now, it can't be an electronic receipt. It's got to be a paper, old-fashioned receipts, because mom are, moms are hardcore old-fashioned, aren't they? So you got to go, you know, you look in your purse, and you start counting through all those receipts. The mom, and not fair if you tear them in half and make a two. No, that doesn't work. It's got to be a complete receipt. So the mom with the most actual printed receipts. So what we're going to do is we'll start with the easiest math of all, and that is the mom with the youngest baby this morning. Who has, who has a baby under two? Baby under two? Right here. So, so Patty, but you're the legal guardian of your granddaughter, right? Grandson. So I'm going to count you as a mom. So how old is the little guy? Three months old. Not quite three months old. So if anybody deserves to be recognized, it's a grandma who takes on that kind of responsibility. Come on up. So then the, the second easiest one is uh, the most senior mom. So do we have any moms who are older than 75 years old? You don't have to tell us how old you are. Just raise your hand up. Yes, I'm over 75. All right. How about over 85? We have any over 85? We got over 90. Any over 90? Joyce. Is over 90. Let's see here. And the mother with the most children in church this morning. Here at Victory Baptist Church, the mom with the most children here this morning. Do we have any moms who have children, grandchildren, you know, adopted kids, uh, however you calculate your ch children, uh, any over five in Victory Baptist Church this morning? All right, Vicki, how many do you have? Nine. Anybody with more than nine? I know that you have plans for more than none, right? <laughs> 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 
So Vicky, can, do you want to send a runner up? Because you're in the middle of the pew there. And uh, so that's three. We have two more to go. Um, and I think we'll do... How about the mom who has a child living the farthest away? The mom... Because you know what? That kind of tugs at a mom's heart, doesn't it? Have a child far, far away. Do we have any moms here who's... Children live outside the continental United States. <laughs> Any moms here who have a child? Vanjie has a child living where? Guam. Anybody living farther away than Guam? I think you got it. Guam. So you won that too, but I don't have a prize for that. <laughs> and the last one is, the one that required the most math, that is the mom with the most receipts in her purse. The so we'll start with 10 or more. Is there, we've got 10 or more here, 10 or more here. So how about 15 or more? Still up, 15 or more. All right, we've got to love that. 20 or more. Let, oh, is, is it down to just one? 20 or more. The, not missing anybody? I'm not counting. You're not counting? So if you're looking around saying, you know, I have like 60. <laughs> Billy Joe. How many do you have? 38? I can't hear what she said. 39. Well, send a runner up. All right, there we go. So, congratulations, all those special moms. And every mom present, we have for you a devotional we're going to give you. And then also we have flowers as well, a flower for every mom. Let's all stand again, and together we're going to lift up our voices as we sing Psalm 150. Oh God, you made the starry hosts, you traced the mountain peaks. You made the starry hosts, you traced the mountain peaks. You made the evening skies Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. 
Yeah. 
Some call you higher, higher. Some call you their hero. And also their taxi driver. Some call you Nana or Abuela or Mima. Some call you mother. Please stop spoiling them all. Some call you a mentor. Some call you a friend. Some call you God's kindness for the mother they never had. Some call you from the beginning. Some call you much later. Some call you guardian or foster parent on paper. But paper never stopped you from showing up open-handed. You were no less the mother and the love God intended. Some call you joy, some call you graceful, some call you strength, some call you faithful, some call you constant, some call you care, some call you always, some call you there. Some call you the greatest, some call you the bomb. But I, I call you blessed. I call you Mother's Day, there's not one of us in this room 
that hasn't had a mom. Now maybe she passed on and she's gone, but she's still your mom in your heart and in your soul. As we come to the Bible, we find that throughout the scriptures, scriptures honor mothers. I'm going to take you this morning to 1 Peter chapter 3, and over the next six Sundays, between Mother's Day and Father's Day, I'm going to be going into 1 Peter chapter 3, and the theme of the series comes out of the very first part of 1 Peter 3 verse 10. It says, for he that will love life and see good days. And all around that text, it talks about family, relationship, interacting. All of those who desire to love life and see good days. There's not one young couple that I do a wedding for and when they come down that middle aisle and they, the bride stands there and the groom is standing here. There's not one that starts that that doesn't have the highest hopes of loving life and seeing good days together. Now, does that mean that they're not going to hit some rough spots? Oh, they absolutely will. And everybody does. Whether you've been married a little while or a long time, there are mountains and valleys, hills to be climbed, battles to be fought, loving to be loved. All of that lays within that relationship. Within this text of 1 Peter chapter 3, we find so many different things, but we're going to start with mom, because today's Mother's Day. So listen as I read to you. I'm going to just read to you this morning verses 1 through 10 of 1 Peter 3. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold their chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man, the hidden person of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, ye husbands, Dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. 
As we start out this text, as I mentioned, the text starts off talking about wives, mothers. And it starts talking to us about the relationships that are built within that position, that person. As we look at verses 1 down through 6, we see several things. We see a spiritual concern for the home, a conscious choice of her lifestyle, and an outward reflection of an inward gold, the preciousness of who she is. It starts off there in verse 1. It says, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may, without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives. Oftentimes, the whole focus when somebody reads that verse is the part that says, be in subjection to your own husbands. And women have a tendency to kind of bristle up at that. And guys have a tendency to get out the, you know, the, the, the little, uh, what do they call that thing that kings hold? Yeah, the scepter, you know. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> and that's not what the text means at all. It's, it's talking about the, the interworkings, the, the mechanics, the government, the, the structure of the family. And he's talking to them about having structure within your home and husbands and wives working together and understanding that God is going to hold that husband accountable as a leader within his home. But when you look at the second part of that verse, I want you to notice that it says that it's talking about winning the family by the conversation or lifestyle of the wife. So you see a spiritual concern right off the bat for her family, her husband, her wife, the spiritual concern for being sure that everybody comes to know faith. 1 Corinthians 7.16 says, For what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband? In that text, it talks about her influence upon her husband just by the way she lives her life and relates as a wife, as a mom. You have great power as a lady within your home. Great power to influence your children, to influence your husband concerning spiritual truth and spiritual things. You might think that your voice is never heard. And I've certainly heard lots of women say, nobody listens to me. But the reality is, everybody listens to you, your mom. Now they may act like they don't, but they hear what you say. They even have down pat that look you give them. They know. So when you look at this text, and it says, They also may, without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives. Won by the lifestyle of the wives. I want you to understand, Mom, that God starts out here by recognizing your concern for the spiritual well-being of your home. 2 Timothy 1.5 says, I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that it is in thee also. So here you find the Apostle Paul writing to young Timothy, and he's telling him, I saw in your grandma and in your mom 
the faith that I see in you. What an influence those women had upon a young preacher who will one day help the Apostle Paul turn the world upside down for the gospel. As we come down to verse 2 in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, listen to what it says. While they behold your chaste conversation. That word conversation, again, is an old English word that means lifestyle. He's saying, while they behold your chaste lifestyle, coupled with fear. So we, we see a reference to a choice made. When, when a woman decides, well, I'm no longer a child and I'm going to get married and I'm going to have children, I'm going to raise a family, all of a sudden there's a lifestyle shift, a lifestyle change, isn't there? A conscious choice is made. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9 says, In like manner also, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. And he's going to go down and he's going to talk about it in this text even beyond. He's going to talk about that choice that is made to go ahead and lay aside that, that self-centeredness where I'm the only one that matters. That works when you don't have a husband, when you don't have children. You can go ahead and try to be pretty self-centered, but the day you get married, all of a sudden, two become one. And you have to learn to lay aside the selfishness, whether you're the husband or the wife. Now you're a unit. Now you're a pair. You're a team. You're a couple. And so he talks about that in this text, that simply she makes a lifestyle choice, change. In marriages that succeed, that is a conscious choice. Where you start the day and you know, I am not my own person. I am part of a family. And certainly moms are a tremendous example of how that happens. That first baby they have, man, wow, what a shift and change in life, amen? It, it can no longer be just about her. Why? Because little junior or juniorette is 100% dependent on that mom. Now dad can step in and he can do his part and he should do his part. But there are some things dads just can't do. You can't feed the baby. Oh, you can give him a bottle. You can go ahead and give him some baby food. But God decide, designed the mechanics of motherhood to be uniquely provisional for a baby. Dad can't do that. That baby is dependent on mom. She's made a lifestyle choice. And then when she has more, one is a tough, that's a, that's a shock to the couple. Things change. The husband too, things change. But then when they start multiplying, two, three, four, five. Somebody told me after three, it really doesn't matter. They all kind of blend in together. Now, I don't know whether that's true. Sandy and I only had two. But if you want to know, ask Vanjie. She ought to know. What did you say it was? Seven? Seven. Wow. My daughter has six, and I don't know how she does it. Never mind, seven. Somebody told me the older kids raise the younger. Is that true? No? Yes? Yeah, okay. <laughs> but when we look in this text, he reminds us that there is a real choice. 
And it is a sad thing that so many young people today are not stepping up and making the choice and saying, I'm going to lay myself aside that I might invest in a family in the next generation. He comes down a little bit farther in our text. Look with me at verses 3 down through 6. And here we see he talks about mom. He talks about the wife. talks about the woman and her inner value, her inner gold. Listen to what he goes on to say in verses 3 down through 6. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. But let it be the hidden person, the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham and called him Lord whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. So he, talks off, he starts, starts off again, kind of referring, as he did a minute ago, about it's not all about you. It's not all about the outside appearance. And how important is that in this generation for all people, isn't it? To understand that the outward appearance is not the inward person. We can look like anything. You know, when I was growing up as a kid, there was only one time all year you could put on a Superman suit. Does anybody know when that was? Halloween. If you put on a Superman suit any other day than Halloween, somebody thought you'd slipped a cog. Something's wrong with that kid. He's wearing a, a Superman suit. But now kids can wear Superman suits any day, can't they? You see them anywhere. See them in the grocery store. In fact, Sandra, Joe, and I just... Last night, we went to uh, Queen Bee's for supper, and we're there, and there's a little kid, and he's got a super Santa suit on. I mean, I thought, wow, amazing, anytime. But as much as he was in the little playground area, he's jumping, running. You know what he's not? Super Santa. Now, maybe in his mind, but not in his heart. He's not really, but he's going to play the role. And you and I could do that. We could come next Sunday. I could say next Sunday's dress up Sunday. Everybody come up. You ladies all come as princesses and all you guys come as princes. That doesn't make you a princess or a prince, does it? It's a cute outfit though. I see little girls all the time in those little uh, princess suits. Sometimes I'll even ask them, which princess are you? And they'll tell me. I have no idea, but they know. <laughs> and they may be mom's little princess, but she's not really a princess. She didn't get invited to England for the coronation. <laughs> so when we start with this text, he's talking to us about, don't, don't make all about yourself the outward appearance. Listen to what he says again. He says, who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on apparel. If we're not careful, we get so sucked into style and value and, and looking at people. Are, is, are, are those 
Are those knockoffs or are those real? Is that a name brand? Or is that not so name? You know, if we're not careful, the culture we live in draws us into places we don't need to go. And he's saying to us, if your whole life is about how you look, and you're not thinking about who you are, you're off track. And it doesn't matter whether you're mom or dad, boy or girl, aunt, uncle, grandma or grandpa. It's to us all, isn't it? But he comes down into verse 4 and he says to us, but, it, but let it be, let, let you be, let that person be the, the hidden man of the heart. Be who you really are. Let God help you grow and transform and become the woman or the man that you should be. It's not about the clothes. It's about the heart. That's why when the scriptures talk about us coming to Christ, it says, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. You and I, our real person is not this outward. This changes. Listen, when I was young, I was handsome. I had hair. <laughs> Things happen as you get old. And there's nothing you can do about it. My grandboys just turned 11 years old. The twins turned 11 yesterday. And so I called them to just wish them happy birthday on their actual birthday. And one of them answered the phone and I thought it was one of the other boys because I'm telling you, they kind of all sound alike sometimes. And so I said to him, I said, is this... Is this uh, Zach? I said, is this Zach? And he said, no, this is Cy. I said, are you really Cy? He said, yeah, I'm really Cy. I said, well, I'm going to ask you a few questions to find out whether you really are Cy. So I, I asked him, I said, because he's Cy as a twin, I said, do you have a brother who looks a lot like you? And I just started asking questions, joking around with him about who are you really? And sometimes it's good for us to step back and ask ourselves, who am I really? And who am I portraying myself to be really? Am I only about the outward appearance? Or do I really understand the value of the inner person? in living who I am. When we look at this text, we see that the text goes down in verse 4 and it says, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible. And I love that he says that to us. It should be that we are not corruptible. We should be who we really are. Our relationship with God should be genuine and real. Our relationship with our spouse should be rock solid. Our, our love, our passion, our care for our children should be unchangeable. We should be uncorruptible concerning that person that's inside of us. It shouldn't be, husband, that you're, you're looking at all the other gals and thinking, man... I could have married that. Probably not. <laughs> and ladies, you shouldn't be looking around and thinking, man, I could have had that. 
Probably not. <laughs> you know, the Bible teaches us to be content. To be content in whatsoever state we are. We don't need to corrupt ourselves all the time. Always looking for something else, something different, something what we think is better. No. To step back and say to ourselves, you know what? I made a commitment. And I love my wife. And even if I don't, I made a commitment. I came up and I said, I do. For better or for worse. For rich or for poor. For good health and bad health. I'm going to be there to the end. Don't so easily be corrupted. This world corrupts everything. You as an inner person, you make your commitment between you and God and that person you marry. And same thing with your kids. We're going to come down here. We're going to talk a little bit about what has happened to our culture and our society concerning our children. And it's, it's frighteningly tragic what's happening in the family and in the home. But look what he goes on to say in verse 4 about this inner heart, this inner person. He says, it, he says, let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Now, I love that when he says to us right up front, he's saying, now, what I just said to you in the sight of God is great price. It's of great value. And what was it he just said? He just said to us, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. There's nothing wrong with being a gentle soul. There's nothing wrong with being a kind and gentle person. You know, when you read the Beatitudes of the Lord Jesus Christ, a lot of that is about being a peacemaker, about being meek, about being that person who's gentle and caring and helpful to others. Not everybody has to be kicking down doors and screaming in people's faces. Sometimes it's nice to have that meek and quiet spirit where you can sit down and hold hands and talk to each other and really look in your eyes and care. It's important for us to understand that God really cares so much more about the inside than he does the outside. The world wants that big, loud, wham, in your face experience. And God says, you know what? It's really kind of nice to just have that inner meek and quiet spirit. You know, as I'm, as I'm preaching up here, I look down and here's Rich and Dee sitting right here in the front. Compared to where they normally sit, which is much farther back. They're not right on the front row, but it's close. But these guys have been married a long time. How long have you been married? 31 years. 31 years, and he was quick with that. I like that, don't you? And, and Dee likes that too. I saw what happened when you flubbed it there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, do you see how close they're sitting over here? Isn't that sweet? 31 years. Two kids. A lot of life gone under the bridge. But they're still sweethearts. I see them other places. And they do sit close to each other. They are still in love. I love that, don't you? 
You know, when you look in these texts, you find that God cares about family. He cares about, he cares about husbands and wives. He cares about children. He wants it to be the best. He wants them to love life and seek good days. But he doesn't just talk to us about the women. He comes down, and I'm going to show you uh, verse 7. Now, I know the ladies are going to look at this and they're going to think, What? Six verses for women and only one verse for guys? Why is so much pressure on us? But look, when you come down to verse 7, I want you to notice the very first word. What's the very first word in verse 7? Likewise. So ladies, actually, what just happened is he said all of that and more to the guys. So I want you to grab that. So he says to them, likewise. Therefore, likewise, they need to have a concern for the home. Therefore, likewise, you have also made a choice, a lifestyle choice, and you should choose to not be self-centered, but care about the family. Likewise, you need to think about the inward person, not just the outward person. It's not about the blame. It's about the heart. So that word likewise carries a lot. He says, likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. It's interesting when he comes to this part where he says, ye husbands, dwell with them. And I want, I want to say that together. I want us all to say that together. Dwell with them. Now we read through that pretty quick. We just go by it almost as non... non complicated or non-implication, you know, dwell with them. But I want you to understand how few fathers today dwell with their families. It's a crisis across America, and it has had a huge impact on our society and culture. 80% of single parent homes are led by the mom. Only 20% of, of single-parent homes are led by dads. 25% of United States children grow up without a father in the house. 25% with no father in the home. 90% of runaway and homeless children have no father in the home. Wow. That really says something about our culture and our society. 90%. 63% of teens who commit suicide come from fatherless homes. 63%. 85% of youth who are in prison today have fatherless homes. They come from fatherless homes. It has had a huge impact on our society for dads to not be at home. And we can blame it on lots of different things. And not always is it even the dad's choice or decision. 
Oftentimes, they're forced out. But the reality is, it is a cultural family catastrophe for the boys and girls in America. So when he starts out here in this text, and he starts talking to moms and dads, he says, ye husbands, dwell with them. Guys, determine in your heart to make your marriage work. It's, it's not always easy. And we live in a culture and a society today that makes it so acceptable to walk away. But it's not okay. It really has devastating effects on your children, on yourself, on your family. You choose. You decide. You determine. You give it your best. You work as hard as you can to dwell with them. He comes down, he says, likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. Take time to know who you live with. See, sometimes that happens in families. Guys are so busy with all their interests, their hobbies, their activities, and the list can be long. And you can go and go and go and go, and before long, you don't even know your wife. She's the gal you dwell with. She's the one who cooks. Maybe she does the laundry too. Maybe she's the only one doing anything at home because you're gone. He says, no, you need to dwell with them with knowledge. You need to know the people you live with. You should know your kids. It shouldn't be mom is the only one who's going to the teacher's meetings. It shouldn't be that mom is the only one sitting down at the table and talking to boys and girls. Come on, dad, step up. Know the people that, that make up your family. Know the people you're married to and brought into the world. He says you need to dwell with them. With knowledge. Give it time and interest and passion and connection. He says, likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. Giving honor unto the wife. You know, we should respect our wives. Shouldn't be that, it should never be that Christians are degrading and demeaning, ridiculing, name calling, all that stuff, that junior high childish stuff. Lay it aside. Remember, you made a lifestyle choice when you decided to get married. You decided to become a husband. You decided to become a wife. Lay all that foolish childhood stuff aside. No longer should it be that you are dishonoring anybody. You should be a big enough man to be able to treat your wife with honor. Kind of personal, huh? But it's what the Bible says. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife. As unto the weaker vessel. And, the, and that little phrase right there, again, sometimes people take it and they misinterpret it. It's not saying that women are any less, but it is an obvious fact that women are not as strong as men on the overall. Now, when I was in high school, we had a, a friend, a young, young married couple. She was the strongest woman I ever knew in my life. Us teenage boys would challenge her to arm wrestling. And I'm telling you, if you could beat her, you were good. 
she was strong. But on the overall, and for whatever reason, our culture is just now understanding that you can't send men who say they're women into a sports field and not expect to hurt women. Because these are men. And so when you look at this text, he says, guys, honor your wives. Recognize that they are a weaker vessel. You see, sometimes in generations in the past, man, guys would work their wives like a mule. They were a possession. They were just another part of whatever business they had. And they'd work them and grind them into the ground. And God said, wait, that's your wife. Treat her with honor and respect. Recognize she's not as strong as you are. That's just simple logic, isn't it? It shouldn't be that, that you're going ahead and nailing the shingles on the roof and making her carry the bundles up the ladder. Unless she says, I love carrying bundles. <laughs> My daughter, years ago, when we lived on Little Chicago Road, I had to re-shingle the, the little porch. It was not a big job. I said, Joy, come help me. So she came up on the roof. We're shingling. We're going down through. She says, you know, Dad, I think I could do this for a living. I said, I hope not, Joy. Because <laughs> roofing is brutal. And it was just a little tiny, small little thing. But... If your wife says, no, I need the workout. Give me those bundles. Then you say, all right, dear, that's what you want. But the whole idea that women were worked and abused and treated wrong, God has always been against that. And here he says, treat your wife with respect. Understand and recognize she is not built like a man. And what is wrong with our culture today? What is wrong with our society that we try to deny that? Not we, they. I don't understand. He comes down, he says, Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. He reminds us, she's a child of the king, the king of kings and lord of lords. She's a joint heir of Christ with you. You will spend eternity with her. You will go ahead and see her on those. You'll enter those pearly gates and she'll be standing there smiling with those white pearly teeth. And if not, false teeth. I don't know. <laughs> but as you come in, there she'll be on those golden streets. You guys are going to see each other throughout eternity. And, she, and he says to us, remember, she is a joint heir with the grace of God. And I want you to get the last one. This is the last part. Last thing in verse 7. Look what it says. Let's read it together. That very last phrase. That your prayers be not hindered. I want every guy in this room to read that with me. Because I want you to hear it. That your prayers be not hindered. Now, if I asked for a raise of hands and said, who doesn't want God to hear your prayers? Only the wise guys would raise their hands. Because the reality is, we want God to hear our prayers, don't we? If I'm going to pray to God, I want him to hear me. I don't want to hinder my prayer. 
I want to open the avenues of prayer with God. But he warns us here. He says, guys, if you don't be the kind of husband you should be, if you, if you don't treat that mom the way she should be treated, he says, it hinders your prayer life. And you and I in our lives, we should value our prayer. Psalms 55, 17 tells us to pray morning, noon, and night. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says to pray without ceasing. Hebrews 4, 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in times of need. That we might find grace of help in times of need. And when you pray to God in that time of need, you don't want your prayers to be hindered by the fact that you've not treated your wife right. Amen? So he's talking to us throughout 1 Peter chapter 3. He's talking to us about those who... He wants to love life and see good days. Those people who have the greatest hope and expectation when they walk down that aisle. That mom, that dad, that family who wants to love life and see good days. So he's going to give us advice. And it's all centered around Christ. It's centered around the fact that Jesus wants to give to us that newness of life, that newness of hope, that eternal life, that change of heart. The other day I was talking to a, a dad, a granddad actually. And he was just talking to me about how bad things were going in his life. And I stopped him. I listened for a long time. I try to be a very good listener. But I am also a pastor, and if you're going to come and talk to me, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give you some advice. Thank you. So I stopped him and I said, listen, you need, you need God. You need, you need a relationship with God. Because his life is, is not good. But he has no relationship with God at all. I said, you need God. You need to come to Christ. Come to church. Come and learn about how to live by faith and walk with the Lord. So that you can improve your relationships. So that you can have that kind of family that you want to have. Now, that's the first step of me trying to minister to and reach. But it's the truth. 1 Peter chapter 3. He's saying, listen, if you want to love life and see good days, take these truths and practice them. Be more than a hearer, be a doer. And maybe you can be part of that team, that, that, that group who really does love life, who really does enjoy good days. Not that every day is perfect. Not that there's never a tough time. But at least you have the Lord to help you through the hard times so you can enjoy the good times.
Mom, be sure and get a flower out in the foyer. It's all set up out there? Yes. yes. Perfect. Thank you very much. Just take your flower. Enjoy it. Plant it. All through the year, remember, well, all through the summer in Vermont. Uh, just remember that Victory Baptist Church loves you moms. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. Thank you, Lord, for being able to bless us and guide us and show us through your word. And I pray that you'd be with us as we go our way. Please give us safety. Help us throughout this day to reach out to our mom, to remember. Help us to honor her, our wives. Help us to do what would glorify you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's lift up our voices as we sing just the chorus of Love Lifted Me. Love lifted me. Love lifted me.